With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to Financials Podcast, Future Rich. My name is Barbara Ginty, and I'm your host and also a CFP, which is a certified financial planner, which all of you lovelies probably know by now. And I'm here with my guest today, Amy. Hi, Amy. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thanks. So you are joining us from the lovely city, probably a little cold at the moment, of Boston, correct? Yes, I am. Originally from New York, but I live in Boston now. Nice. Did you change sports teams when you moved? or? I've never been a big sports fan, but when I moved to Boston, I became a huge Patriots fan, so you could, you could say really? so. Yes, I did. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, well, so tell us a little bit about yourself. How old are you? What do you do? How much do you make? All that jazz. Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm 25. Um, I work in healthcare doing client management. Um, my current salary is $72,000 a year. Um, and you know, about, about $2,000 a paycheck. Um, and yeah, cool. So you get to, you met, you net yourself about 2000 every pay period. Right. And now are you, um, in your work retirement plan? Do you have one at work? I do. So I'm currently contributing um, to a Roth 401k. Um, So I contribute 4% and then my company actually matches about 3%. Okay. So you put in, and now when you went with your company match, do they do the 3% into the Roth or do they do 3% into pre-tax? They do. I believe it's into the Roth. Okay. I might have you check that. Okay. Yeah, I can confirm. Because sometimes they do it as pre-tax. Sometimes the employee match is pre-tax. Okay, that would be good for me to know also. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, okay, that's great. And how did you end up choosing between the Roth and the pre-taxes? This is like a big debate, which one is, I don't think one is better than the other. I think it depends on your situation, but just curious. Yeah, so I actually was, I was was previously contributing to, what's the other kind? It's a, um, just the pre-tax. Yeah, the pre-tax or the traditional. Is that the model. other option? Yes. Yeah, so I was previously contributing to the traditional, um, but you know, in discussions with a, a lot of other people, my age, especially, it seemed like they were contributing to a Roth, um, you know, better to pay your taxes now, um, and rather than later. Um, so I recently made that switch. Um, it didn't have a lot of knowledge behind it. So, you know, I th- and I think a lot of people my age say the same thing, um, you know, which one's better, but yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, I think that if you can afford it, you can do the Roth. I think mm-hmm. usually for me, um, when we're having people on the show, my ultimate goal is just to get you to the correct yeah. savings ratio. So what percentage you're saving yeah. 
And so that's my number one goal. And so typically to get people to the savings ratio I want, I'm willing to take it in a pre-tax option or a Roth. It doesn't matter as long as I get you there. And if I can get you there and then we have wiggle room, then I try and figure out what amount to do towards Roth versus pre-tax. And it depends on like what you have available. So it's, yeah. And I think a lot, a lot of people, especially in my age, feel like I would rather have more money out of my paycheck now than pay more in taxes when I'm in my contribution. So I think that's a lot of people's thought process. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's why I previously was doing the traditional option. Because you'd rather have more in your paycheck now wasn't your initial reason. Right. (laughs) More money to spend. Right. (laughs) Which isn't the best way. No. Well, awesome. Okay. So that's good. So you're in the plan. You have a good match. You're at 7% contribution, Mm -hmm. um, which works out to be Mm -hmm. 5,000, probably around $5,000 a year. And then what is your, what are your expenses look like? Are you single, married? I'm single. Um, I have, I do have some student loans. So I have about 12,000 total in student loans that I pay around 250 a month. Um, and then I lease a car. So I have a car payment that's around $300 a month. Um, and then just normal expenses like gas, electric, Wi-Fi, TV, which is about, it's about 150 every month. Um, for those, you know, general expenses. costs. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just general expenses. And then I do try to contribute to my savings as much as I can per paycheck from like 50 to a hundred dollars. Oh, good. Just to like an emergency fund, like a cash account. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what about rent or housing costs? Oh, right. Rent. <laughs> the biggest expense. So my rent, <laughs> my rent is 1200 a month. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, it's not too bad. I have, a, I have one roommate, so we split it, and it's a very small apartment. It works. Well, I feel like in the major cities, right, you don't get much for your money. Right, exactly. So it seems like based on this, with you, you know, your basic general cost, um, student loan payment, car payment, mm-hmm. rent, that you can get by on just you know one pay paycheck covers that for you more or less. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So I try to, like with one of my paychecks, pay my mm-hmm. rent, and then my other paycheck pay most of my expenses so that it evens out and then I still have spending yeah. money. That makes sense. Because, yeah, we have food in there too and going out and what have you. Yes. Right. Um, so do you have any pain points with like your budget or – so talk to me a little bit about the – and the student loans. That would be like my guess. I don't, I mean, so my biggest struggle is always thinking, you know, I do, so I do have debt and I do have, you know, expenses like a car lease and and rent. Um, But I think my biggest struggle is, you know, do I pay off my debt right now and not put money in savings because I, you know, I'm accruing interest on on my loans Mm -hmm. or, you know, do I save money and just pay, slowly pay off my debt? Um, so I think that's always my biggest struggle. And then I, you know, obviously, you know, I'm 25 living in a city, want to have spending money, want to, you know, travel and while I'm young and, you know, so struggle between saving and spending and enjoying myself. So those are some pain points. I'm sure everyone at 25 has. Well, let's talk about the student loan. So you're paying 250 a month. Mm -hmm. Are you, is your balance going down on the 12,000 or are you kind of treading water with that? Because, um, it is going down. 
Um, I actually recently, my company, someone acquired 50% of my company and I got um, about $20,000 from it. And I paid off half of my debts, which brought me back, brought me down to 12,000. That's awesome. Um, so I paid off a lot of interest on it, yes. which I think was good. And I do notice now when, you know, when I'm paying on a monthly basis, the 250, it, it is going down, but I don't know, you know, should I be paying more than my minimum monthly payment or, well, how much, you know, what, what's best? How much do you do? have in savings? Do you have an emergency? I have about 10,000. 10,000 okay. in savings. That's great. So here's my concern with the student loans. The 250 means you're paying 3,000 a year, which if they had 0% interest, you would definitely be knocking this out mm -hmm. quickly. So it just depends on where your interest rates are. Mm -hmm. Cause they're definitely not zero. Cause it'd be amazing if student loans. Yeah. No. And I think, yeah, I think there's a few with, with different interest rates. I think the highest one has maybe a 5% interest rate and then the others are, are around 2%. Okay. So it's not that bad then. Right. Hmm. I do like the idea of maybe, because I just wonder, and this is the thing that I think makes it difficult, is they don't show you a payoff schedule, unless there's something new with the loan interfaces, but you don't know with two, does it tell you with 250 monthly what how long it'll take you to pay it off? So it my payment will in, in increase every two years. So I think next year it'll increase to like 350 and then I'm my goal is in I think to have it paid off by 2026 okay so are you on an income you're on an income based repayment program right so that it's going to go up as your money yeah. yeah okay I feel like it's just an idea you could take because you're saying what's your saving your bank account pay for your savings probably less than two percent so how much am I putting in every month well how much yeah what is your saving you're saving oh, not making. Yeah. Um, <laughs> probably nothing. <laughs> something. I think I have, I think there's like a 2% interest rate. I think there might be a 2%. Because I kind of like the idea of, because your payment's going to go up anyway, right? They're going to readjust your student loan payment. Right. Um, I like the idea of maybe taking a little bit out of savings, like $1,000 or $2,000 and making a principal only payment on your loans and then continuing with your monthly payment. Mm-hmm. And then your savings, and then as long as there's no emergencies, maybe doing that on a regular basis. Okay. Because that mm -hmm. will get you done with your loans faster, and then you could you if you knock if you're knocking off some of the principal. So you know that so with the loan, there's the principal portion, and then there's the interest portion. And so when you make your payment, you're paying right. um, principal and interest. And so they most student loan companies have you pay all the interest first before you hit any principal. So if you go in and make a principal right. payment, you'll lower okay. your principal, the balance that they're calculating the interest on. Yeah. So that will help you okay. get ahead faster. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. I guess I just never know, you know, how much I should keep in savings as like an emergency, um, you know, fund in case I ever need it. But I don't think I, I will need $10,000. Um so it probably is a good idea to put more toward. I think just loan. because it seems like you've been able to accrue the savings, you're doing 7% into the retirement. So the rule of thumb for how much you should have in an emergency fund right. is basically as a single person, so you have nobody depending on you for food or housing, is to keep three to six months mm -hmm. available. So you're within that threshold if okay. you figure rent, um, you have your rent and then your car payment, utilities, so you're about five months, give or take, you know, maybe mm -hmm. four. So we would bring you down to probably three months to do the student loan. That being said, right. if you lost your job, you could probably 
do something to support yourself, whether it's waitress or pick up a side hustle or, or something. Right. And you would just not go out as much. The goal would be to like pay right. your car lease and your uh, utilities and your rent. And you could always get a, mm-hmm. you could always defer the loans if you lost your job. Right. So I think that be having no dependents, you have a, a little bit more flexibility to, you know, maybe stay hover around the three to four month emergency fund amount. And then you can get done with your, mm-hmm. your loans a little faster by doing a principal only payment. Yeah. And then essentially you're just going to be, re- you'll, you'll essentially yeah. just be replacing it. So I would target to replace what you pay on the principal only with your savings. So maybe try and get your regular savings up a little bit to like maybe 150. Mm-hmm. Cause then that way you're replacing okay. what you're using principal only yeah per month month. so and then if you're putting a thousand to two thousand on principal only on your student loans and you're putting 150 or so into your savings you're replenishing that number anyway by the end of the year and then you could so then if there's an emergency then you don't make the principal only payment right next year because you spent it on something else right Mm -hmm. and then should I be like increasing every month what I'm putting into or toward my student loans or do you think if I just make bigger principal payments that's better yeah, what I would do is the 250 and then I think 2000 would be good for the principal only payment and then I would bump up your regular savings to probably about 150 yeah okay the more that you can save now and get rid of your debt the better like so I think it would be ideal for you to be totally done with that before you're 30 and the other thing mm-hmm. I think that would be really great is if you could get your contribution in your 401k up to 7%. Okay. Just because you have a really great time right now yeah, between and 25 I, and 30. I think before you're 30, like as much as you can put away, the better. Right. And I just have that. This is another thing that I always wonder. I mean, I have it in, I don't know what you call it. I just, It's just like a they're in they're small amounts invested in a bunch of different things um but I never know if I should like take a portion of the money and invest it into things that I'm interested in or you know start you know investing into other stocks that aren't just in like the general distribution yeah so inside of the 401k typically the way it works the, typically the way the 401ks work and the reason they work really well so most people that come in like in the future, when you go to retire, most people that come in that have a lot of money for retirement did it through their workplace plan, whatever that is, whether it's a 401k, 403b, mm-hmm. deferred comp. Most people people accumulate the majority of their wealth in their workplace plan versus like their own uh, their own account, mm-hmm. right? Because you can put a lot of money in your workplace plan, you yeah. get a company match, and just it's a disciplined approach. The money's going in every two weeks for the most part, or the you know fifteenth and the thirtieth. And the company is going to give you some money as well. And then the other component of it is um, they've gone through and vetted the investment options, right? Right. Which is really nice. So typically inside of the workplace plans, you're allowed to buy company stock. But usually there's not, it depends on the plan. Right. Not all, not not to say this is for the case with everyone's, but most 401ks or maybe I should say a lot of 401ks don't offer you full discretion with choosing the investments. They've gone through and put menu, if you will, and they say, right. "Here's the menu, and these are the growth funds, and each, you know these are mutual funds and ETFs, and here are the growth ones. Here are the mid cap, here are the small cap, you know, large cap, 
And then here are your balance. These mm -hmm. are the options here. And here are your fixed income. And here are the options here. And then here are ones, if you don't want to do it, here are like autopilot ones. So if your retirement date is 55, here's a fund for you. And then all you have to do is go into that one. And that's your target retirement. But typically, they don't allow you that much flexibility, if you will. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've looked through the menu on yours. Do they give you full discretion to choose whatever you want? No, I don't think I can choose. I think it just goes into like a general distribution. Okay. Um, but I, again, like I don't think I would know enough to even choose what to, what, which like menu option to choose. Choose from. Yeah. So we, that is definitely something we were putting out a class for investments, like to understand how investments work and how to choose from one of those menus. Um, but like a good thing, the, the number one thing that I see in mistakes with 401k is people put it in and it's in cash, right? So it's like not even in the market. It's the first thing you want to check. The other thing people make a mistake on is they don't put a beneficiary on it, right? So in case anything happens to you, you want to make sure the money goes somewhere okay. um, to someone you choose. So you want to make sure that there's mm -hmm. a beneficiary and a contingent listed. So the primary beneficiary is the first person it would go to. If that person's unavailable, you can always pick a backup. And then... Um, so those are the keys, right? right? And then getting the contribution amount. And then if you are looking at the menu and have no idea, it's not a bad place to start with like the, what I call the autopilot ones where you just pick your target retirement date and it goes in there. And then from there, you can get more complicated and be more strategic or mindful about which funds you're going to pick. But you want to just make sure that it's invested as number one. You want to make sure you have your contribution amount correct. And then you won't have a beneficiary on it. Does that make sense? Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think I think that's exactly what I'm doing right now. I think just upping my contribution amount would would be helpful for me. Yeah, and the way an easy way to do it or like a, a less painful way to do it is do you get an annual review where you get a raise? Yeah. So, if you get a raise or when you get a doing it at that point is a really easy way to bump it up because you're already comfortable with what you're living on. Mm -hmm. So, you don't even miss it. Mm -hmm. And if you get a good raise, then you can put it in yourself. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so that's the easiest way to do it. Because I do understand, like, you, you're you young and you want to have money to travel and do things and you don't want to feel restricted. But it also is a great time. And if you can do it in a seamless way, if you're already living, mm -hmm. you know, comfortably on what you're making, then every time you get a raise, rather than increasing your lifestyle, increase your contribution to your retirement. Right. And is there a percentage like every year that you're supposed to increase this depending on your age or is it just as you There's not a set percentage based on age. Is that actually interesting? I should look to see if there is. There's not one that I'm aware of. They they always say to target 10% is like your benchmark, like what you should shoot for. I think it's better um in those that listen to the pod on a regular basis. I'm always trying to get people to save more money. I love to see people save money. Um, no one has ever come in to me in right. retirement and been like, you know what? I really wish I had a million dollars less. <laughs> uh, it just hasn't happened yet. Like, I've never had anyone be like, you know, I really oversaved. Right. Yeah, I haven't had it. I'm waiting for the day where someone's like, oh, I oversaved. It hasn't happened yet. Um, so I think like targeting 10 yeah. is good. And like you just get there as soon as you can um, without feeling like it's you're nice now. Your biggest expense, expense is rent and then, you know, your car uh, lease. So, and the nice thing about the 401ks is right. you can up it. And then if you decide that it's not manageable, you can always bump it back down. It's not permanent, right? So 
You just have to check with your plan how often you can increase it and decrease it. Obviously, they don't want you going in there weekly being like, oh, I can do 15. Actually, no, I can do seven. Like, they don't want you to do that. That's not easy for them to manage. Every pay other period you're going in and adjusting, yeah. they'll probably call you. Um, but you could go in and say, you know, I'm going to bump it up how I do. Yeah. And if it's not going to work for me, then like, you know, in a month, I'll bump it back down or next pay period. Um, so I think the sooner you can get to 10, the better. And then from there, I always think um, – the opportunity to save when you're younger, if you can manage it, is your dollars will just grow so much faster because you have time on your side. So you want to see, so basically if your money's earning 7.2% compounding interest, your money doubles every 10 years. So the way I look at it is how much money can you get in um, before 30, right? Because at 30, you have from 30 to 40 for it to double, right? You have from 40 to 50 for your money to double. And then you have money from 50 right. to 60 to double. And then if you're willing to work till 70, your money can double from 60 to 70. So you have four times your money can double, right? So the way I look at it is how mm -hmm. much money can you get in there before 30? Because those dollars just have so much more power because they have four doubles ahead of them. So right. it's a huge opportunity because then right. if you don't get it, like, so I'm 35, right? So at 35, I just don't have as many doubles as you do. You have another, mm -hmm. you have a whole other double and the double can make the difference between 500,000 and a million. That's yeah. the difference. Mm -hmm. And what about investing in other things like, like real estate or, um, you know, other things that I would be interested in? Do you think that's more lucrative than investing it in like my 401k or in, other investments? So I think real estate is just another avenue, like the stock market. I think that when you have a workplace plan, you want to take advantage right. of that. Mm -hmm. I think that um, buying a house right. or buying a second house first, which is, you know, another way to do it if you can't afford, because you're in a city. So maybe buying a second home first is mm -hmm. a more attainable avenue than buying your first home first, because maybe your first home mm -hmm. needs to be where you're working and that's an expensive cost of living. So I definitely think real estate right can be um, an avenue to grow your net worth. It just, I think the easiest mechanism to do it is to front load your 401k. Right, okay. Yeah, and then I definitely think we're gonna have an expert podcast on with a, a gentleman that may has made all of his money in real estate. And that's all he does, he's like anti-stock market. So there's different avenues mm -hmm. to do it. So I think the key is just knowing what the avenues are and seeing what fits the best. Yeah, I think I struggle. I think a lot of people my age are like, should I keep throwing money away on rent or should I, you know, buy a place so that I'm investing in mm -hmm. at least something that I might own in the future? So that's where my question comes from, just because I know, you know, like my rent and my car lease, I'm not investing in mm -hmm. things that I'm necessarily going to have in the future. Uh, so I'm just wondering your opinion. But yeah, I think starting with my 401k is probably getting that as high as possible is probably Yeah. And it's the fastest, right? Like you can up it tomorrow to 10 and be at that number and just say, I'm going to read your budget and I'm just going to like right. pack all my lunches and, you know, not buy the salads or not do the, the gym class. I'll do YouTube videos. You know, there's, there's definitely ways you can do it really easily. And then mm -hmm. once you get used to living on that lesser number, you could say, okay, I front loaded the 401k. Um, mm -hmm. You know, at this point I have, by the time I'm 30, I have 50,000 in there, right? Or 75,000, right? And then you say, okay, now I'm going right. to not 
put as much in the 401k, I'm going to take mm-hmm. more and then I'm going to, but I'm living on the same exact budget, right? I haven't taken any of my raises, my raises for five years. So now I'm going to save all of that money for down payment money. And then in two years, I'll right. have 50,000, you know, there's the key really, um, is, is mm-hmm. learning to live on a lesser amount and then using that sacrifice with your budget to then catapult you to the next level. Right. It just, and it takes a little bit of time, but if you right. can be really diligent about your budget, then you can say, okay, you know, that second paycheck a month, you know, I need part of it, but I'm going to take a thousand of it. And then that's going to be down payment money. Right. So, because I definitely think, especially with interest rates being low, if you can buy, I definitely think buying real estate is important, even if it's a primary residence, or even as a, if you can swing mm-hmm. a second property, um, like a second home or whatever as, and that could just be more of an Airbnb rental. But then, and then once again, you're right. sacrificing your extra time to manage that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. So they're all possible. So I think it's, a, I think when you're young, I think it's important to sit down and figure out what do you want? Like, where do you want your financial future to be in like five years and 10 years, not just for retirement, but like, what are the things that you want when you're 35? What would you have liked to achieve with your finances? Right. And then you can work a little bit backwards with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully have my debt paid off and have a good amount in my savings and possibly, you know, have invested in in some Mm -hmm. sort of home um, would probably be my goal. Yeah. And I think that's all achievable. I think paying off my debt by then is realistic. Definitely in the next. Yeah. You should have your debt paid off, especially if you're making a 2000, you're doing 2000 to principal because right there that's 10,000 over the next five years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's achievable, especially because right. the interest rates are really low on your loans. So that's definitely achievable. I think getting your 401k mm-hmm. up to 10% is more of just a budgeting. You're just going to sacrifice a little bit more in your budget to do that. And then if you get a raise, then you can increase it from there right. more, or you can use that to increase your savings and start saving for a down payment. So you have that flexibility there with, mm-hmm. with that. But I think they're all good goals. But I would keep in mind the the doubles, like okay. with getting how much money you want to have in the four hundred one k before thirty, because then if right. you focus from thirty to thirty five on buying a property, right, and saving for a down payment, then that money is just going to continue to cook really for four doubles. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to look. At I it. love the doubles. Love the doubles. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's really helpful. Um, kind of puts it into into perspective, you know, where do you want to be at each point in your life? Um, and then how can you, you know, start saving for that now? Yeah, absolutely. But it's all achievable. And I think it's just hard to kind of figure out like what amount, cause you want to like buy the house, pay off the loans, do the 401k, still travel. So I think it can feel a little daunting to figure it all out. So I think when you say, right okay, so we'll do the principal payment once a year and then I'm going to be on that track and that should be done in five years. And then I'm going to get the 401k up to, you know, 10%, which is 7,000, right? Then around 7,000 as of right now going in, um, right? With the company, mm-hmm. if, well, if we get you up to seven, so if it's 10% going in between you and the company, so then that's 7,200 a year times five years is 36,000. Right. But ideally, if you get raises, you'd, up a little bit more so maybe shoot to have 50 in there or 60 or whatever it is yeah definitely and I think yeah I think that's realistic and I 
in terms of like budgeting, I think that's my biggest, not, not fault, but I just don't know, you know, with the money remaining after I pay off, pay all my expenses, my rent and the money goes into my 401k, I pick, I view that as like just discretionary income where I can just spend on whatever. So I, I think I need to work on that and, you know, kind of tightening my spending there. Cause I'm not, I mean, I'm responsible. Like I don't carry a credit card balance and I try to, you know, put money away, like I said, but I think figuring out how much I should hold back on that and not just spend whatever. So that's interesting. What I need the most. Yeah. Cause I think what happens is most people <laughs> do exactly what you do rather than doing it the opposite of saying, okay, where are my financial goals and how much mm-hmm. am I going to allocate to each of them? And then after I tackle each of my you know, mm-hmm. pay off the loans, get my 401k up, and then maybe save for a house. Then setting those is like what monthly numbers are going to be for those. And then right. saying, okay, now this is what I have left over for discretionary rather than the opposite. So like if you target mm-hmm. it to get 75,000, how much do you have in the 401k right now? I think about 16,000. 16? Okay, perfect. Um, do 16k in there and we get you up to... Let's see. So I think this will be very achievable. We do 100 times 5. Yeah. So if you can get your 401k up, um, and we'll hopefully have some growth in there. But if you can get your 401k up to 10% total, and and if you get a raise, I would still put a little bit more in there, right? Because um, if you could get right. to 75000 in your 401k by 30, and with just the dollars you currently have plus a 10%, that would get you to 52. So you're going to have to up it a little bit more between now and then, and then hope that there's growth. Then that 75K, if it's earning mm-hmm. the 7.2% compounding, so it's a 75 at 30, then it would turn into 150 at 40, 300 at 50, um, and then 600 at 60, right? So those will be your four doubles, 30 to 40, mm-hmm. 40 to 50, 50 to 60, and then 60 to 70. Um, and that's without adding any more dollars, right? Right. And I mean, should you be like at my age, should I be thinking realistically about how much I want in there when I'm 60? Like, I don't know how far. Yeah, it's so far ahead. It's like, probably <laughs> impossible to think about. So just know that this is a good number as a starting point, right? You still then have another 40 years save, but you've already front loaded like one of your retirement is the way I would look at it. So then what I would do is I kind of work backwards for like casually saving for a down payment maybe. Um, So maybe try and set aside another 2000 or 3000. So that means you're going to have to go look through your budget and say, can you afford to put another 200 away? And where is that going to come from? Right. And maybe that's not what can you cut back on? And maybe you don't want to cut back on it. Maybe you're like, you know what? I'm just going to put another thousand away in a house fund casually from now until when I'm 30 and then reevaluate it. But at least then I have another $5,000 towards it. Right. So that's like the give and take of like, right. You know, at the end of the month, you probably have, if you were to really look at your budget, you probably have 1500 after food, 500 at food. So Mm How much of that do you want to have as discretionary versus how much of it do you want to use towards other financial goals? And that's like a personal decision, right? Because you could say, I'm going to take another three or 400 a month and dump it into savings. And then that's going to be for my next goal of buying a place. And maybe you dip into that if a really cool vacation comes up. 
Yeah, because then you get like like high cost. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You pay like taxes. Like I have to pay a car tax. Um, and just like random expensive things totally. that come at you that you don't expect. Um, that kind of throw off the savings plan, but. I find it easier to put money away in like bigger chunks. Like I get a, I do get a bonus every year, which is nice. So I'm able to put a little money away there. Um, but again, like deciding between, all right, mm-hmm. I just got a bonus. I deserve to like spend it on something nice or I can put it all so- away <laughs> in savings. So, but that's helpful to kind of just think about, you know, where your goals are and, you know, where you want to put that. Because then it doesn't always feel like as much of a sacrifice, if that makes sense. Like if you're putting money and it's in a down payment and you can even like now with the different vendors, like they allow you to name it. Um, So I would just name it, right? And Mm -hmm. say, this is my down payment fund. And like if a vacation comes up and you want to do and it's expensive or something, then you say, you know, I'm going to take it out of my down payment fund because I don't, I'm not really ready to buy a house yet, but then I'll just replenish that over the next year. Or the next time I get a bonus. Yeah, like starting a separate savings account just for that. That's a good idea. Yeah. So then that way you're not you're not saying like, well, I'm not going out to eat because I don't have any money. You're saying I'm not going out to eat because I'm hopefully gonna have my right. own house at a certain point. And that's worth saving for. Yeah, so it's visually Oh, and let me just give you these numbers. Yeah, so that you can visualize it because I think that the that's the hard part is you don't want, there's a balance between enjoying yourself today and doing stuff because you're, you're young and you don't get your mm-hmm. 20s back. Like I learned that the hard way because <laughs> I worked harder during all of them and it was really nice to have like had a little bit more fun in my 20s, um, which is, you know, that's fine. Um, so like you definitely want to enjoy your 20s. They don't, you don't, you don't, you mm-hmm. can't buy them back. Right. But um, there's also something to be said for you know, having your financial goals and starting to yeah. kind of tackle them. So it's just about being mindful. So I think it is like a really good exercise to sit down and say like, what are my financial goals and where do I want to be? And like, what does that look like? Like where, you know, realistically in my budget, if I cut some things out, do I have another 200 to put into savings? And not to say that you don't then say, you know what, I'm not ready to buy a house. I'm not, I'm happy to have rent, rent for now. And I'm going to mm-hmm. take the vacation. You can take the money. It doesn't disappear. Right. right? You can always reallocate it exactly. to something different. Um, but I do think, I do think like a good starting thing would be the principal payment on the student loans and then upping the, to, as a starter, upping the, the 401k to where you're getting 10% with the company match. And then just to redo these numbers for you. So if you got 75 in there by 30, then at 40, it should be worth 150,000. Mm-hmm. And then from 40 to 50, it'll double again. So it'll be worth 300. Wow. And then from 50 to 60, it would be 600. And then from 60 to 70, it would be worth 1.2 wow. million. Okay. If, if it earns 7.2% okay. interest. Right. So like, if you think about it, it's worth sacrificing for the next five years to try and hit that number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Cause then it's good. To then you could really focus on how, yeah. Like how it'll pay what off. it would be worth. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. People don't think about that. And that's why I'm always like, Oh my God, you're in your twenties. You get so many doubles. <laughs> I know. It's, it's really hard. So to being 60 <laughs> and where you're gonna be so the whole reason we came up with the name of the podcast was like one of our guests was like oh well I don't want my future self to be poor I'm gonna feel so sad for her <laughs> just talked about her retirement self as like 
like as like her friend of like this visual like this old lady of what she was going to look like and she's like oh I'll just be really sad if my future retirement self is poor Same. and I was like oh I never thought about it yeah so I need a condo those short-term sacrifices <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I my whole reason for doing this is I want everyone to be retired so that I have people to hang out with. Right. Um, otherwise, I'm just by myself. No friends. <laughs> everyone will be working. Um, but yeah. So if you make those sacrifices now and you can get seventy five thousand in there before you're thirty, I mean, there is no guarantee the market performs at seven point two percent interest. But right. I mean, if it does, then you'll be in a very good spot at seventy. Your future retired old lady self will be very happy. And then that way, if you focus more on a house from 30 to 35 or 30 to whatever, exactly. you know, and you're focused more on that, then you kind of checked, a, you got the retirement pre-funded almost is the way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Not to say that you don't stay from that point on, but you then okay, still have know. another 40 years to go and you already put a ton of money away. So that's the way, that's what, if I was in your shoes, that's what I would do. Yeah. And then reverse the budget. So sit down and say what your goals are. And I would have the 401k having, being preload it like that. Um, and then the loans will die. If you do the 2000 a year principal payment and you continue with your regular monthly payment, you'll be done by 30. So then it's just sitting down and figuring out how much you want to save for a down payment. And can you fit that in your budget today? Or what amount are you willing to sacrifice for today to do that? And then you've got all the different trades running then. Yeah. And I think just adding what I want to save kind of in my head as an expense Instead mm-hmm. of like an optional thing to do every month, I think that'll be helpful for me to do. Yeah. And if you automate it, it's always better. And it doesn't disappear. If there was an emergency or, you know, something comes up, right. it's still there. It's not gone. Not gone. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I would do. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Do you have any other questions? I don't think so. I think that touched on a lot of just my thoughts around <laughs> what I should be doing versus what I think I should be doing. Um, so that was really helpful. And I think I have a good plan moving forward with paying off my debt and contributing more. And what's, you know, the most important thing to do right now, which is really helpful. Good. I'm glad. I always like to have people save more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I always try to. So this is a good way to um, put it to action. Perfect. Well, cool. So we will wrap this up for our listeners. So if you hang on the line for a sec, um, so for all of our lovely listeners, you can check out our classes at www.planancial.com. And as always, if you like our podcast, we would love to hear from you. So you can rate and review us on iTunes and follow us on Instagram. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. 
so your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FTIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.